Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Amber Ray. She's been called the Millennial Motivator by Fortune and the Bernay Brown of Wonder by Mind Body Green. Amber Ray is an author, artist, and speaker whose work invites the truth that lives within us. It helps you befriend your emotions and express your gifts. Today on the podcast, we're talking a little bit about her new book, Choose Wonder Over Worry. This book is going to be golden. We've already Amazoned it to ourselves, so we're about to dive deep into it. But you're going to get a little kind of sneak peek from the book and Amber's practices from her breakdown panic attack to moving across the country to change your life to how you actually feel your feelings like with things that you can actually do like right now today to feel your feels. So we kind of uncover a lot of techniques on how to deal with anxiety, worry, perfectionism, and everything in between to kind of let that shit go and live a better life, possibly our best life. So if you want some action steps on how to make that happen, take a notebook and dive in to this episode. I think you're going to love it. Hi, Amber. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We are super excited to have you. You have, you know, done a little bit in your career and in your life. You've worked with some amazing brands, some amazing people, and you've put out a book and an art piece, an art exhibit. I don't know what it's actually called, but that amazing, the world we want with it's incredible. You have done a handful of really, really cool things. And so instead of just bragging about you all day, which I could do, I want to talk about something that you are really open with and, and have addressed in your book and your talks and everything about dealing with anxiety and perfectionism and worry and letting all of that not rule your life and let you live your true self. And I think that is something that all of us say that we want and we know that we think will feel really good. But I think all of us struggle with figuring out how to actually achieve that and how to work our minds through that and getting our families on board with doing that, letting stuff go that's not serving us. Like, 
kind of meddling through all of that junk. And so I'd love to just talk about your journey and and discovering that and anything tactfully that you can pull out for our listeners on how they can do the same would be super helpful. Awesome. So let's just start from the beginning. When was kind of the like awakening of like, uh, shit, worry is kind of taking over my life and I don't want that to be a thing. (laughs) Yeah, it was really intense. I was on the floor of my apartment and my Adderall pounding heart felt like it was pounding out of my chest. I was crying. I was like, it was like a full-blown panic attack, but also I was, I mean, I was popping Adderall to get more done and to be more productive. It wasn't that I was diagnosed because I actually had a def- attention deficit disorder. And so I realized that my life was so w- ruled by worry and thinking that I needed to hustle for approval and validation and worthiness that it led me to a series of self-destructive behaviors that just had me feel like a shadow of myself. And so here I was on the floor of my apartment in San Francisco, rising the ranks, you know, as my mentors were telling me in Silicon Valley and hating my life and feeling like it wasn't my life. I was like, who the hell have I become? Because this is so not me. And how did I get here? But it was really that that breakdown moment that, of course, opened up a, a breakthrough, which was this is not me, and this can't continue because I could die. Like this, like I, I could literally because actually when I was in the panic attack, I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack or something. And you know, my father, who was a brilliant artist and musician, and he was following his dream of his band was called Dreamer, and he played like seven instruments, instruments, but was very caught up in the era of sex, drugs, rock and roll. And he got behind the wheel of a car under the influence, which led to his early death and it killed his best friend. And so, you know, if there's like the lineage in my family was my father never faced his demons or addictions and that got the best of his talents and gifts. And so in this moment, when I was on the floor of my apartment, I was like, can I swear? Yeah. I was, no, 100%. I was like, fuck, like, how am I following? Like, damn it. No, I said I would never follow in his footsteps. And and here, here I, I am. am. Yeah. And even though like mine was like productivity, like, you know what I mean? It was like there were different motivations, <laughs> yeah. but it was still like, I mean, maybe his drug of choice was Coke and mine was Adderall, which is not that much different. And so that was the big moment of like, holy shit, something, something mm-hmm. has to change. Mm-hmm. I love hearing, A, I, I love that story, how impactful and how amazing and eye-opening. But I also want our listeners to kind of check in with like, just because you don't find yourself waking up on the floor of an apartment from overuse of uh, drugs or anything else, like doesn't mean that these feelings of whatever is chasing and running through your own heart and your own mind, like aren't coming from a very similar place. I think that sometimes we convince ourselves that because we don't have this giant breakdown, that we're not ready for a breakthrough. And that just because it's not this like typical, like storybook of like, all of these very pivotal, big moments in our lives, like you crying in the bathroom of your house or you like crying in the parking lot at Target, been there. Like those are all signs that something needs to change. And so for people listening, just like check yourself where you are yeah, right and, now. You know, we we numb, we cope, we avoid in so many ways that can be scrolling through Instagram. 
That can be like food that we know doesn't make us feel good. That can be toxic relationships and friendships. That can be like, you know, the fourth glass of wine when we know like, you know, like whatever it is for us, like there are different ways that, and none of those things are, you know, bad or wrong in moderation. It's why are we turning to them and what are we avoiding? I just like rushing back of memories of all these times where I've been just like destroyed with worry. And one in particular sounds extremely similar to your situation. I was visiting my then fiance, now husband in Baltimore. And he, I like came for a week, but he decided he was working while I was there. And so I was like alone in his house in a strange city I'd never been in without a car And all of a sudden, like, literally, I thought I was dying. Like, just like you were saying, like, I was just like overcome with this fear and worry. And I was hyperventilating and I couldn't catch my breath. And I called him and he was on the train to work. And it's a little hard to turn the train around. So he was like, I'll do it again. I have to get off at the next stop and I have to catch the next train and come back. And then I have to walk and like... It might be 40 minutes before I get to you. Like, if you need to call an ambulance. And I was just like, I'm dying. And so he just talked me through it. And, you know, at the time, I thought there was something like literally fatally wrong with me, but later realized it was extreme anxiety. And, you know, I think these things can manifest in our lives and, either attacks like uh, like that where it comes on all at once or it can be little things that like make us tired and make us not feel good and make us you know want to have a chocolate shake at 2 p.m. when no one's watching like all of those things happen and it's was that your first panic attack Abby I don't think so so is it like college life that was I probably had one before that, but that was the first time I was hospitalized for one. So I went, I went to the ER and I mean, they didn't check me in. They just like ran a million tests to make sure I actually wasn't dying. And then they told me I had an ulcer and sent me home with some drugs. And I was like, oh, sure. That's what that was. Uh Uh-huh. I'm I'm positive. No. Was that your first panic attack, Amber? Yes. That was like in that, in that way. Like I'd had, of course I dealt with anxiety or in, in, and anxiety has many friends, perfectionism, like obsessing over, you know, whatever that was, that was sort of a thread, but it had never been that extreme. Yeah. A hundred percent. I just find it interesting that I feel like the big explosive panic attacks for all three of us came like later in life, like as adults, as I, mine for, came freshman year of college, but I had lived a very, very anxious, worrisome life before then. So it's interesting to see. And like, I hope people are paying attention to, even if we don't think it's a big now, like a big deal now, decades and decades of anxiousness and worriness like does build upon each other. And at some point it is going to explode, whether it's a panic attack or something else. What started to change then? You woke up and you're like, okay, I'm out of this, but like you don't just be better the next day. Yeah. I started to listen. And I think this is the biggest thing. Like you know, we live in a culture that shames and stigmatizes any emotions that aren't positive. And I, and I think that's like, for me, like, even when I was going through it, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't like even call my mom and tell like my mom and I are like besties. Like I didn't, I didn't think even to go to the hospital because I thought, oh my God, something's wrong with me. 
And I think that's so much the problem when actually these, these emotions and these feelings can be our friends when we learn how to turn toward them and listen to them. Well, and a good friend, sorry to interrupt about feelings really quickly. One of our good friends, Sarah Peck, we've had her on the show. She's an amazing human being said recently in a, in a thread somewhere, women, especially are allowed, like we're all allowed. And I put this in quotes, like allowed to feel certain feelings in society, right? Like some are allowed and some are not, some are shamed, a lot are shamed. Most are not allowed to be felt. Women are told and it's accepted that we just feel tired. So like, that's the, like, how are you? I'm tired. I'm busy. I'm tired. Mm. And that's a very accepted. So like, whenever we feel these things of frustration, shame, anger, anxiety, we like call it being tired Mm. because that's what we know is accepted from everyone else in the world. When they hear, how are you? And you're not doing well. And you say you're tired. And so I think a lot of that comes from like how you were feeling in that moment too of like, well, I'm not just going to be bitching to my mom all day about being tired. Like I'm going to just get stuff done. I'm tired, but everyone's tired. But we just tell ourselves these lines over and over of like, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. But truly unpacking what tired is actually making you feel and what you're feeling instead of that. Because it's probably not just that. Yes, 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 yes. And I love Sarah Peck. She's a dear friend. (laughs) She is awesome. (laughs) Love that we all share her. But yeah, I had, so have the breakdown moment and I had studied psychology. And so I had some understanding, like, you know, I had read the books, like, like I knew that, oh boy, I'm really numbing myself and I'm ignoring my emotions. And like, this is a problem. I know it, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I know know what I'm going to do it anyway. And then I was finally like, okay, this was like, this is the, this is the moment where I get to choose and I get to choose if this is how I want my story to go. If I want to begin to write a different one. And so I very, you know, like actively made that choice. And while nothing shifted majorly, you know, necessarily overnight, but I began to listen and say, okay, like anxiety, I hear you. What is it that you want me to know? And like, you know, terrifying fear that if I actually follow the path that I like, I knew, like I knew what I wanted to do, which is I wanted to quit my job, move to New York start asking life's big questions. Like like little things. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to make these changes and like my mentors were like, that's a terrible idea. Like you're asking these life coachy questions. I'm not gonna let you be a life coach. It was, you know, all these things. But I really just started to carve out that space to listen and hear what these these emotions wanted to say and express. Yeah. So how do you process that when when you have outside obligations. So like a lot of our listeners are moms or they're partners and they're married and they have a house and they have mortgage and they have these things that doesn't necessarily allow them to like pack up and leave. (laughs) Some people probably choose that. Most people are going to just still be in their own circumstances. So outside of like getting an entirely new job and environment, what are some other suggestions that people can like start listening to and making adjustments in small ways? Yeah. So I always say that. So I, I did make the big leaf. I like quit my job, sold my belongings, moved to New York. I was also 22 years old and right. like, you know, had <laughs> no responsibilities or people. Right. Were <laughs> and so it was a point in my life where I could do that. But, you know, we don't have to make drastic shifts to create a drastic shift in our life. 
And that can be, I'm going to journal for 10 minutes in the morning and and create space to hear myself. Or I'm going to go to this class or start this ritual because it's really important to me. Or I'm going to say no to these toxic relationships and behaviors. It's like, it's the tiny, tiny tweaks that make the big difference. Because even when I made that giant leap and did that drastic thing, I still had so much work to do on the tiny things that actually made the big difference in terms of my like emotional wellness and state. Yeah. I kind of similarly to the big leap of quitting your job and moving, I don't like the word cured or fixed because I definitely still have anxious and worrisome behaviors 100%. Um, But I feel like I did a 180 after motherhood, which I thought would be the entire opposite. I thought I would be this why I didn't want to become a mother for so long is I thought I would be this overbearing, helicopter-worrying, anxious type of mother where I wouldn't get to enjoy it and I wouldn't, I would nitpick everything everyone did and I would just be so, so controlling because that's how I lived my life before my daughter. I I did nitpick everything we did and everything had to be planned. And if one kink like was in the plan, it was a full down, like tears and crying and frustration because I didn't know how to cope with small changes like that because I had to be in control of so many things. So when she came along, I was like, oh, fuck, this is just going to get worse. Something like night and day happened as soon as she was in front of me or like my brain just clicked. And like I started to make intentional changes about the type of mother I wanted to show her that I could be, the type of woman I wanted her to become and not become. And it very intentionally making different changes about like, I just want to be happy. Like, I just want to not have to carry that baggage around that I was choosing for decades to pick up every single morning. And I know it's not that night or day for a lot of people and for a lot of people listening. And so if you're still in that struggle and if you're currently going through this, like, please like talk to someone and like go take the necessary measures. But it's so interesting to me how those like radical shifts for anyone chopping off your hair. Like in one year I got LASIK. So I got rid of my glasses. I became a blonde from a brunette. I chopped all my hair off and then we got the call for our daughter to adopt. And so like all of these massive changes happened in one year. And on the other side of that, I was like, oh, I can breathe now. And so like, ask yourself what, what maybe your big leap could be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love what you said there. And this is, this reminds me of a piece of wisdom a friend had given me years ago, which she said, you know, we're planning to have like to begin to have a child and bring a child into this family. And we've begun to ask like, or I've begun to ask myself, how would I show up if she was already here? Yeah. Like pretending that she was already there. Like how would I approach this situation if she was standing next to me now that my partner and I are in a fight, how would I navigate this fight if she was sitting in this room? And she said that that like, and I have goosebumps, that made this massive shift in her life because she started just like doing what she would already do. Or like for me, since I don't have any children yet and I'm not there, but I just went through this journey of this book. And because it was this being outside of me, like how do I show up for the book? What does the book need from me? How do I need to sleep in order to really like be able to like give my all to this book and to this process? And it was like all of a sudden I became the healthiest version of myself. <laughs> right. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And it's because it was, it was, there was this connection to something beyond us, something that we're in service to. Which is what women are really good at doing. <laughs> and and I feel like this brings up a whole nother conversation of like, okay, cool. You treated your kid like or your book like a kid, basically. <laughs> and I'm like treating my kid like a kid. And Abby can treat her future children like the future children and show up as herself now. Why can't we do it for ourselves without that? And I don't know if there is an answer, 
or if there's even if it's even worth spending time trying to find an answer to that, if there's still positivity when we when we choose to live in service for someone else. But I saw something recently, and this might have been from the amazing Sarah Peck as well, but I saw it in a thread of of kind of someone navigating these these own kind of emotions of like, I'm I'm worried and I'm anxious and I'm dealing with all of these things. And I think they were feeling very indebted to showing up in a certain way for their partner and their kids and their family. And like there was struggle is there. And which I know a lot of our listeners deal with. And someone said something like something clicked for her when when she started to think about like, really, truly, you are just living your life for yourself, like for just your body and your mind. Those are the only things that you can like truly know inside and out. And like you are living to make yourself happy. Sometimes that's serving others that makes you happy and making money that makes you happy and doing these different types of things in your life. But like at the end of the day, like it's just you and you're just living for yourself. And so what are some decisions that you can start to make like in service of yourself just for the sake to service yourself? And that's it. But that's super fucking hard. (laughs) Yeah. I think just like processing that, like if you have actual, like, yes, these decisions, but like, how do you step into owning your life just for yourself and nothing else? Yeah. So I think the example of the book that was for me, that was like the greatest thing I ever did for myself. It was like, it filled my desire for self-expression, my desire for growth. It like was the biggest dream of all the dreams for me. And so it was like, it was like this infinity signal where I was in service to it and it was in service to me. And so while I totally hear what you're saying, like, how do we do it for us? I think for me, it's always helped to like know that I'm, that me as a vessel is creating something. Cause I mean, especially as women, we are like, we're, we are the creators of the world. We create life. And so I know that I am in my greatest flow and I'm creating, whether that's a meal whether that's a relationship, whether that's a book, whether that's a ritual that serves me, but it's always like, what is it that I want to create? And how do I want to feel in the process of creating that? And, you know, I think feelings, getting to the feelings is so interesting because the reason why we do anything is because we want to feel a certain way. And when we can get clear on how we want to feel, then we can actually tie the things that we do to those feelings. So if we want to feel peace, what is it that makes us feel peace? If we want to feel inspired, what is it that has us feel inspired? And these these feelings can shift and move. But I mean, that's like a, a, a ritual that I anchor in every morning, which is like, how do I want today to feel? And how do I want to feel today? Want to learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I remember earlier this year, like not necessarily, I wasn't overcome with worry necessarily, but just feeling lost. And I went to the journaling kind of thing, which I had never really fallen on before, like, except I have a hard time with that too. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't come naturally to me, but when I did do it, the things that came out of me scared me to death. And I was like, I am twisted. Like I am (laughs) so mean to myself. I am like, it's not that other people are attacking me. It's like this self-sabotage that is just swirling. And I, I don't know if what it was your experience with journaling and how, how could, how did you use it as a tool to grow instead of just like self-reflect on all the things that were already driving you crazy. Yeah. So one of my favorite poets in Q said, we will always find the evidence for what we choose to believe. We will always find the evidence for what we choose to believe. And we are the creators of whatever narrative that we tell ourselves. And that was, that's been the whole journey for me, which is what is the story that I'm telling myself about myself? Cause usually I'm the asshole and I'm terrible and like, I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough. And everyone's going to hate, like, it's just and, and for me, it was really turning toward those thoughts and being like, being honest. And this is, I went to a workshop with Cheryl Strayed and she, the first thing she said when she got on stage was, do you tell your journal the truth? Ooh. And I was like, Ooh. 
And that's exactly what you're tapping into. And that's, that's my journaling practice, which is like, okay, let me put all the shit out there that like is stuck inside of me and will stay stuck inside of me if I don't get it down on paper. And so the one, the first process is just like release, let go, express what, you know, wants that I'm actually kind of terrified to write down, but I'm going to go there and I have 10 minutes to do it, you know? And then you're like, and then I'm going to bury this journal forever. So no (laughs) one finds it. (laughs) Totally, totally. And then, you know, we always get to question our thoughts. And that's what this is really a process of, which is like, okay, where did I learn that I'm a worthless piece of shit? Like who taught me that? Because so much of the the stories and the thoughts that we have are things that we inherited from society, other people, or like based on society's picture of who you're supposed to be in order to be a worthy human. And we tell ourselves all these stories. And if we don't pause and question them, then those thoughts become who we think we are and what we think we're capable of. And so it's always like, okay, wait, where did this come from? And, you know, and then it's always like, what if the opposite of what I'm telling myself were true? knowing that we're always looking for evidence. And actually, let me look for evidence that the opposite of I'm not a worthless piece of shit. I'm actually like a very worthy woman who's on a mission. And let me look for evidence to prove that that's true. And if I believe that was true, how would I show up? So it's, you know, and it's like, it sounds exhausting because it can be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's until like, no one else is going to question our thoughts for us. Like, that we're totally responsible and in control of that. Like there's so much in this life that we can't control that does cause worry and anxiety, which is like, we can't control what other people think of us. We can't control so much of what goes on in the world. We can't control, you know, but we control our reactions, our thoughts and what we choose to believe about ourselves. I was doing some research recently around conscious language and it is super empowering to know that we have the ability to tell ourselves certain things, but if we can catch ourselves in just the way we talk, and this can be self-talk in our head, this can be talking out loud, this can be explaining what we do for a living. It, It doesn't really matter what the circumstances are, but if we remain conscious and we remove certain words, all of a sudden, like we're in charge again. And we have the ability to kind of stand up against ourselves in a way, because often we're the ones like explaining away what we do for a living. And it's really, it's really quite amazing or quite simple or whatever. And we're the one being like, oh, well, I sort of kind of do this rather than saying I am great or I, I empower women or you know what I mean? Like those simple things. Is there... In your journey, was there anything that you like had to let go of to move on to like become the person you wanted to become? So much. I mean, I had to let go of thinking men I love would leave me because I lost my father and thinking that if I like I was chronic date emotionally unavailable men because that will reinforce my story that men I love will leave me. And so, you know, that took a lot of healing in me realizing that, wait, I won't leave me. I'm not going to abandon myself. And because I won't abandon myself, I will always be here. And I mean, that's, I mean, that was like a huge journey. And then just like that, my worthiness doesn't come from what I do or accomplish. My worthiness is what I was born with. And every human is worthy, regardless of like, again, it's not about accomplishments. It's just about being. And so, you know, that was a huge journey and letting go of that. And then of course, like perfectionism and thinking I needed to be a certain way in order to be loved. And like, 
And then, you know, speaking my truth and knowing that my voice mattered and, and not being afraid to shine because I remember, you know, as a kid, certain people in the family saying like, oh, don't think too much of yourself. And so, I mean, like when we think of women being like, ah, oh, so I sort of do this, like often there's a moment like where they were like, learned, like, don't, like, don't be sure of yourself. Don't, you know, like, don't, if you shine, you're going to like upset people. And so for me, it was just really unlearning all of these narratives that I both inherited and created and being like, wait, but who am I and who the fuck do I want to be? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, and I think it's so like speaking of narratives and like stories we tell ourselves, there's a study done and I'm going to talk about Sarah one more time. I was just on her podcast, which is why she's like super fresh in my mind. But she's she, here with us. She's here. She's right. She's in the room with me. It's fine. <laughs> she brought up this study that she someone did, but they're trying to uncover like how common everyone is really is and how common our thoughts even are. And so the specific study is about like sexual fantasies and how as weird as everyone thinks their thoughts are or specifically their sexual fantasies, they have broken it down to where there's really only 20-ish different types of actual like sexual fantasies. They're really that common. They're not that crazy. And that generally, like if you have that, someone else is going to have that too. And like millions of other people. And so I think it's just interesting if it's broken down into 20 sexual fantasies, is it 20 stories we tell ourselves about our capabilities and about who we are as women or people or humans or moms or whatever it might be, like that story that you think is so bad or unique or hurtful or whatever, like I guarantee you that thousands and thousands of other people are telling themselves that same story. Yes. And so in my book, I break down 27 stories. Hey! And so like, I love <laughs> that you went down that thread. And that's, you know, that's, there was Sir Ken Robinson who said, that I think it was our fear of failure and not being enough is what we think makes us alone, but it's actually what we universally share. So everyone is afraid yes. of not being worthy. Everyone has that. We literally all, like, all our, the emotional experiences are so the same. It's just, you know, we may have different life experiences, but the emotional experiences are the same. And that's, like, that's why in my book, I, like, I tell a story of, like, feeling sexually drawn to someone else while engaged and happy and thinking something was wrong and, like, having all this shame and guilt and, you know, I wanted to really go there and share stories so that people can say, oh, I've been there too. Well, I'm not alone. And by, and then here's how she moved through it. Yes. That's like, it's all, talk about your shit. Talk, everyone just talk about your shit all the time because everyone else has the same shit and you can find another like sister shit and you guys can get through it. Like sister shit. This is what we're providing for you right now here. So you guys need to go do it yourself. <laughs> Okay. I want to get to some action steps real quick. It says on here that you know some simple practices for getting back in touch with your inner truth. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. I didn't write. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't even know what that means. It's fine. <laughs> but but I, can, I can definitely share a few practices. Yes. So I've been yes. building off of what you were saying since we've had such a great flow here. Like talk about your shit. Like I'm a big believer that your mess is your message. And so whatever it is that you're struggling with, use that and like create a safe space to talk about it with a few people or have that be what inspires the work that you do. Like my entire book was my shit. It was like all the messes, yeah. which I yeah. read my shit. Here you go. <laughs> so anytime you're like, Oh, I'm such a mess or like, da, 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 da. no, that is fuel. That is fuel to connect with someone else. And that is fuel for whatever that you create. So that's, that's one. 
Number two, um, this is different, but I'm, you know, I'm a big believer that, and I said this briefly, but our feelings are our friends. And when we can learn to see that an uncomfortable emotion is like in a little child inside of us that's throwing a tantrum, we would never punch a kid in the face and be like, shut up, you suck. We would be like, hey, little child, like, why are you throwing a tantrum? What's going on? And so if we can learn to like cultivate this friendship with ourselves and these uncomfortable parts of ourselves and be like, hey, I see you what's up? There can be so much wisdom and like what the emotion is telling us. So like anxiety, like if I'm waking up in the middle of the night and like being like, oh, so da, 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 it's because that anxiety is like either like, hey, something's off or hey, I have a message for you. Can I'm like going to be annoying until you pause and let me speak my truth. And so when we can just learn to like, instead of like, and this is, this is our culture, our culture is like pretty emotionally illiterate and we were never taught how to like what these emotions mean, why they're here and what they want us to know. And so learn to just like build that friendship with your emotions. And then the like the second part of that is to actually like talk to the emotions and have a conversation with it. Yes. Like anxiety. Be awkward. Yeah, be awkward. <laughs> I mean, and this can be pen and paper. This can be like, I actually have an exercise where there's two chairs. And so in one chair, it's like my perfectionist. My perfectionist is like, and I've named her Grace and she's a 30-something British woman because it helps me. And Grace is like, Amber, this is terrible and everyone's going to judge you and hate it and you're just going to get in a lot of trouble if you share that. Yeah. And, and so I go into the other chair and I'll be like, Grace, like, okay, so I hear what your fears are, but like, what is it that you want me to know? Why are you here right now? And Grace would be like, I just want a really good piece of work. And I'll be like, great, Grace, we have the same goal. I'm working on it. And like, I'm working on it, but hey, like, I like need to get messy before I get to something good. So, can you give me some space? Because you're like really overwhelming me right now. And Grace would be like, Oh, I understand that. Yes, I can give you space. Thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, literally, we can, like, my friend calls it multiple personality order because when we can actually like name and create personalities out of these voices, like, okay, Anxious Annie is back again. You know, like, okay, Anxious Annie, what's up? And are like, I have, and then there's like, you know, those are the like sort of uncomfortable voices. But then I also have like Mama Jenny, who's my inner Oprah. And anytime yes. I'm like feeling confused, I'm like, Mama Jenny, what do I do? What do I do? Guide me. <laughs> I love that because I think that's really the first time I've heard a tact, tact, tactful way, tactful, <laughs> actionable way. <laughs> Apparently I can't speak today actionable way of really feeling the feels. My best friend is a therapist and she works with kids with problematic sexual behaviors. And so she knows kids, she knows kids who have shit and like she deals with hard stuff all day. But so I use her for my easy kid shit. And I'm like, Penelope did this bullshit thing today. Like, how do I handle it? And so every single time Amanda's like, ignore her, let her feel her feels. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like I'm freaking almost 30 years old. And I do not know what it understands to actually feel your feelings. And so I'm like trying to teach my kid how to do this thing that I don't know how to do that no one in my house knows how to do. And it's just like these things bubble up and we let them like come out in ways where you're like, that's not how I actually wanted to feel. Like I was angry, but that's not how it started. And if I had actually felt it a week ago or whenever, it might not have ended up like that. And so it's that I love that. And I think that's super easy to A, teach ourselves, but also teach our kids, like feel your feels, like have your people in their chairs and like talk to the feelings and figure that out. Yeah, totally. And and that is, I'd say the biggest question that people are like, 
Well, the fear is that if I feel my feelings, will I become my feelings? And that like, and that's, and that's where, you know, there's a fine line that we're walking, which is like, we want to turn toward the emotion, understand why it's here, what message it has for us and how we can work together, but not live but in not it. become the anger and like rage against our loved ones. Because instead of being like, Oh, a boundary was crossed and I'm really fucking pissed off. And like, this is not okay. And this can't happen again. And that's why anger is here right now. We might like use our partner as a punching bag. And so it's like, that's where there's the fine line of understanding why the emotions here, learning from it, not taking it on. Yeah. I, I just take it on. I take on. <laughs> I, I don't feel, I don't unpack. I just take them on. And then I'm that person for a well, minute. And I think it's funny yeah. because society, like, I feel like started to go down this path of naming your emotions. Like how many of you, like it, virtually raise your hand, have heard of someone being a Debbie Downer? Like, like that. Yeah, your mom named Debbie hates that. No, she <laughs> hates it. Hates it. She's like, this is so stupid. Why? I'm not a downer. Anyway, I feel like we were trying to go there at one point and then we just let it go. And so all of a sudden we have defined people as their emotion. And I want you guys to realize, like, even if you're talking to them in a virtual chair across the room, they are not you. They're part of you, but they aren't you they aren't who you are like does that make any sense <laughs> yeah they're they're visitors i like to think of them visitors messengers and the greatest description of this that i found so far is that in there's an ancient greek religion called helianism and they believed that emotions came to visit you and so like it could whether it was creativity and i think elizabeth gilbert this is what she was talking to where she has that ted talk about how the muse of creativity would visit her and so, like, anger visits us. Anxiety visits us. It is not us. Just like your it period visits you. We, I call her. <laughs> my husband literally yeah. calls and her And she brings Flo. a bunch of emotion. Yeah. She's a bitch sometimes. <laughs> so, I'm curious. I, I keep reading the title of your book over and over again. Choose Wonder Over Worry. And, like, I get worry. I literally told Emily before we jumped on that worry is my middle name. So, like, I get worry. But why wonder? Like, what is it about wonder that was so attractive to you? Wonder was so attractive to me because I felt like it was both a, a tool to go inward and a tool to look out at the world. So meaning like wonder could have me get curious about the stories I was telling myself. And wonder also had me open and listening to like the clues the world was giving me. And so it was like this dance between the world within and the world outside of us, if that makes sense. And so I think of wonder as sort of our curious inner guide, whether that's like pausing, worrying, being like, hey, worry, I get it. You're a little freaked out. Let's talk about this and getting curious or being like, I just keep wanting to do poetry. And every time I see someone do poetry, I feel a little envious. And actually that envy is telling me that maybe I should write a poem, you know? So like those are different ways that we can um, play with wonder. I love that. So we kind of already got some action steps for inner truth, but do you have anything else you want to add for our talk strategy to me segment for our listeners to take away? I think those are pretty, I feel like that's a good start. So your action steps are go buy the book, yeah, go, <laughs> <laughs> go follow Amber everywhere. <laughs> Let us in a little bit more about the book. Where can people get it? And, and what's your deal about that? So the book is called Choose Wonder Over Worry. And I really think of it as like a GPS for your emotions. Everything we've talked about here, I build on with a lot of like raw personal stories as well as research. 
and you can buy it anywhere books are sold. Uh, if you go to choosewonder.com, there's a pretty website with all the links. Nice. And then I'm a huge fan of Instagram and I make a lot of visual art that brings this emotional dialogue to come to, to life. And so I'm Hey Amber Ray on Instagram and Ray is spelled R-A-E. And then amberray.com is my personal site with a ton of articles and things. Awesome. Guys, it's on sale on Amazon for 17 bucks for the hardcover. So it's the cheapest it's been. Go get it. I just pulled it up on Amazon. I think I'm going to order two and send one to my house and one to Emily's. <laughs> yep. I think that's what exactly what needs to happen. All right. Amber, thank you so much for coming on. That was amazingly helpful. I'm so glad. This was so fun. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.